Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I'm your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. Join our mission and help change the conversation because we are all stronger together. Good Dog is on a mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them through education and advocacy. The Good Dog Pod provides dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and we have a guest today. I don't know that fun. We just had this conversation. This is not a topic that you can make fun, but it is a very important topic, and it is a very accomplished guest that I am having join us. Dr. Lori Cesario runs the Canine Cancer Academy in Southern California, and we are talking specifically like Cancer 101. We're going to talk about lumps and bumps, early detection, and find out what a body map is, which I think is pretty cool. And we're going to talk about some treatment options. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us, Lori. Happy to be here. So talk to us a little bit, this Cancer 101. Many of us have seen lumps on our dogs, Mm -hmm. little lumps, big lumps. Sometimes they're dangerous. Sometimes they aren't. So let's talk about this type of skin tumor problem. Yeah. So it's very common for dogs at one point or another in their lifetime to develop a skin mass. Mm-hmm. And certainly, like you mentioned, some are no big deal and others we are going to want to treat. So the first step is first noticing that a mass has popped up. And in some dogs, that's going to be easier than others, because certainly if your dog is a Weimaraner, then... <laughs> With a really nice short coat, they're going to stick out pretty easily. But if your dog has a really thick, dense coat, it's going to be harder to notice those small lumps and bumps. This totally just brought up a great thing that I want you to talk about. Talk to us about, and maybe it goes with the body map, Mm -hmm. how frequently and in what way do you examine your companion dog to know about changes in its skin or lumps, you know, that kind of a thing. Like we do breast exams, right? So what do we do for our dogs? Mm -hmm. Yes. Good question. I mean, there isn't necessarily a set recommendation. Okay. But I think, of course, nobody wants to be thinking about cancer all the time, but maybe if you can just get in the habit of giving your dog a good front to back, just call it a dog massage especially if your dog has a thick coat, kind of get in there and feel from his head to his neck, even like throat area, arms, chest, back, stomach, legs. And then you'll really just get a good feel for what is baseline and notice if something changes. And I know all of the general practitioners talk about how important it is to brush your dog's teeth. And of course, nobody likes to do that. But another good thing about brushing your dog's teeth is that you'll look at the teeth and the gums and you'll notice if there's a little lump or bump that pops up in the mouth as well. Excellent. I mean, even on like a weekly or monthly basis, when your dog's just laying down, you know, just give them a good front to back 
dog massage. He'll find it very relaxing, I'm sure. Right. I tend to do this when I have my dogs up to be groomed. Oh, yes. So I put my dogs on the grooming table to be groomed. And when I do their toenails and I brush them through or what have you, then I'm also checking for lumps and bumps and yeah, exactly. weird, this doesn't feel right exactly. kind of stuff. And you'd be surprised at how many of my clients come in and they tell me the groomer found this. Mm-hmm. That groomers find a lot of the skin masses that are presented to me. Absolutely. Like you mentioned in the beginning, the body map If you do find a lump or a bump or, you know, maybe your dog's 10 and he has five or 10 lumps and bumps, the best way to keep track or to make sure that you're monitoring them appropriately is to maybe find a body map online or ask your vet. And basically a body map is think of like a chalk outline of a person. It's basically like that, but for a dog. And it's a dog laying on its back and laying on its side. And you just want to kind of roughly point out where your dog's lumps and bumps are, as well as the date and the diagnosis. So that's a big piece of the puzzle that we'll talk about. And the size. Okay. Because you don't just want to say where they are. The size is important because that's something that we always monitor. And it's fine to estimate, but what is even better is if you can buy like these cheap $3 calipers from Home Depot or Lowe's, and you can look this up online too, but you can actually measure yourself. They're very inexpensive, and then you have a better idea. So you can actually measure the specific tumor. Yeah, exactly. So instead of saying, well, it's sort of like a golf ball, you can measure and say it's three centimeters. Okay. And that's very helpful just to keep track. So another one I think is important, and I know this is not necessarily on topic, but falls into the skin mass category. Mm -hmm. And I think probably we should at least touch on it and rule it in or out. And that is warts you see sometimes in dogs that pop up. Yeah, yeah. That are different than say under the skin, subcutaneous lump. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you see outside the skin lumps. So can we talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So in the same line as a mass under the skin, a subcutaneous mass versus a wart, mm-hmm. I think that brings up a good point, just that the most important thing, if you do want to give your dog the best outcome, is always to get a diagnosis. Because skin tumors that are cancerous, especially something like a mast cell tumor, can honestly look like anything. Okay. So it can look like a little wart mm-hmm. or it can look like a skin tag mm-hmm. or it can look like a little bug bite. Even with the inflammation around it, it can look like subcutaneous mass, so like a fatty lipoma. Mm-hmm. Because these things can look like anything, it's always good to get a diagnosis. Okay. The nice thing is that in most cases, you can get a diagnosis pretty quickly and easily with just a little needle aspirate. A lot of people think of a needle being poked into their dog's skin, and you know it's very kind of scary because they don't want their dog to be hurt or stressed. But I can assure you that if you have one of the veterinary technicians just kind of scratching your dog's head and loving them, mm-hmm. and the vet just kind of quickly pokes, pokes, pokes into the mass, they're not even going to know that it's happening. Right. And most of the time you can get a diagnosis pretty quickly. So especially if it's a fatty lipoma, 
it literally just looks like oil on the glass slide mm-hmm. and you can have your diagnosis very, very quickly. So I think getting a diagnosis is always really, really important because that's kind of step one. Then we know, okay, is this just the lipoma? Do we not have to worry about this unless it's in an uncomfortable location or getting bigger? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that we have to address? Right. Sometimes if a dog has a skin mass and the owner is up for doing surgery, there are occasions where somebody might say, well, you're interested in surgery. Let's just take it off and find out what it is later. The reason why I don't love that approach is for two reasons. Number one, depending on the type of tumor it is, and when I say tumor, I just mean it could either be benign, which just means it's not going to spread anywhere, or Mm -hmm. malignant, which means it might spread elsewhere in the body. When you look at a skin tumor, basically what you want to picture is the tumor that you can see, but there are also cancer cells infiltrating the skin around the tumor that you can't see. Okay. So like that iceberg analogy. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So if we're dealing with a benign tumor, then you can get away with taking the tumor plus maybe one centimeter of skin around the tumor Mm -hmm. and that thing shouldn't come back. But if you're dealing with a soft tissue sarcoma, usually you have to remove the tumor plus three centimeters of skin around the tumor plus a deep plane of tissue. So that's a very different procedure. And if you're just being conservative, you're going to leave cancer cells behind. And number one, that has the potential to put your dog through a second procedure that kind of sucks for them. Why right. should you have And it was unnecessary. Unnecessary, <laughs> costs more money. Right. And maybe what's even worse is that in some cases, if the first surgery is incomplete and leaves cancer cells behind, it does raise the possibility that a second tumor might come back and that second tumor might be more aggressive. Interesting. Yeah, maybe if the first tumor wasn't going to spread throughout the body, mm-hmm. that second tumor might. And we just hate when that happens. That is fascinating to me that you mm-hmm. take one out and it comes back because you didn't get enough margins. Yeah. And it's a more aggressive type of cancer. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that can happen with mast cell tumors, specifically soft tissue sarcomas. And it's mostly because the tumor cells that are most aggressive are the ones that are going to travel furthest away from the original tumor. And when you do an incomplete surgery, those are the ones that are going to be left behind. That's really a fascinating thing. I would never have thought about it that way. Yeah. You always want to just get it right the first time and plan as well as possible. So do the diagnosis. Always diagnosis first. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is if cancer spreads, we often find that the dog feels completely normal. It's not really something that at this point in time we can pick up in a blood test. So if we know that a dog has cancer, if that tumor on the skin is cancerous, then before surgery, we're going to say, okay, well, let's take some chest x-rays and make sure that the lungs are clean and that there's no cancer there. Right. What we hate to happen is, you know, we do surgery, we remove the skin mass and we say, oh, it's cancer. We better take chest x-rays. And then we find that there's cancer in the lungs. And then that surgery actually didn't help the dog. Mm -hmm. And so we just 
like to do things in an appropriate stepwise fashion. Right. It's most fair for the pocketbook and for the dog. Well, and I think that it can be so scary for people. Oh, of course. Yeah. We say this, the big C is scary to us. It's scary for our dogs too. Oh yeah. And so it can be an automatic, like, ah, I get it off. Right. Oh, I definitely appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely appreciate that. But I think that people definitely need to hear that get the diagnosis, don't take it off and then look at it. Mm -hmm. Find out what it is first. Exactly. And the other thing is there are some types of cancer where surgery isn't the only option. So for mast cell tumors, if, if you know there's a mast cell tumor, if you know that surgery is not going to completely remove the tumor, mm-hmm. then maybe you'll say, okay, well, maybe I just want to treat with prednisone. That's mm-hmm. more affordable for me. I don't want to put my dog through surgery. Maybe then you have the information you need to make the choice that's more appropriate for you. Right. Well, and I think we've said this a couple of times, education is the answer to everything. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> so the more you know. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Absolutely. Yeah. The more you know, the better you do. Mm-hmm. So I think that you make a really, really important point there. Finding out the information about what the tumor is mm-hmm. before you go into an actual surgery. Mm-hmm. So with the body map and the early mm-hmm. detection and all of these things, Are there any ways that we can, with early detection, you mentioned prednisone, are there any other ways or do you have any recommendations about things like holistic treatments or anything along those lines? For specific types of cancers? Mm -hmm. We're going with the skin tumors. So I thought, okay, let's think about that. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely not a holistic expert. Mm -hmm. I was trained in Western medicine and oncology. And so whenever somebody comes to me for treatment options, I definitely give them all of the options that I know about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's surgery, sometimes it's chemotherapy, sometimes it's radiation, sometimes it's a combination, sometimes it's steroids. Mm -hmm. There are lots of cancers where uh, low dose oral chemotherapy can be helpful and that's palatable to lots of people because I mean it shouldn't cause any side effects it only involves them coming in once every four to six weeks for a blood test and to make sure it's still working as far as holistic options the main one that we use holistic options for is hemangiosarcoma okay because even though we still recommend chemo either injectable or oral there is some evidence that Immunity, which is a mushroom called Coriolis versicolor, and Biao, which is a Chinese herb, Mm -hmm. and also propranolol, which is a heart medication, that might also help Mm. dogs that have that tumor. So usually we talk about surgery plus chemo plus, I call those things the supplemental medications, either for people that don't want the first line or want to do those medications with chemotherapy. Okay. And I think Cancer 101, again, it's so hard for us. So many of us sort of anthropomorphize our dogs, like they're really our children. Mm -hmm. And so we want to do everything we can for them just as if they were part of our actual human family. Mm -hmm. And I think that the ability of veterinarians has advanced the knowledge, the science, 
again, you know more, you do more, you you know better, you do better, right? Mm -hmm. So can you, in this sort of under this umbrella of the one-on-one concept and treatment, can we talk about, you mentioned oral and injectable chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. Those are within the last, what, like 10 years? We're definitely doing more oral within the last 10 years because we've gotten these tyrosine kinase inhibitors, palladia during that time, and we're finding out Originally, palladio was only developed for use in mast cell tumors, and now we're finding out that it's useful for all sorts of carcinomas and other types of cancers. So interesting. Palladia has become our new best friend in oncology. Interesting. Okay. I think that some people might think of going to an oncologist and being treated with chemotherapy as this very aggressive type of thing. But The big picture in veterinary oncology is that, yes, we want our patients to live longer, but we don't want to compromise quality of life. Right. That balancing act. Exactly. Some cancers do have a gold standard treatment, a quote unquote best, Mm -hmm. but that best is not going to be the same for all dogs. So what we typically try and do is we get as much information as possible about a dog's cancer and how it's affecting their body and their overall health and also the goals of the client and family. And then we piece together treatment options that we feel are most appropriate for them. It's not like this is your option and there's no other option. And there's nothing. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We try and figure out the best fit for a family and their dog. And Mm -hmm. we sort of start with that. If it's working great, we keep going. Otherwise, we just modify the plan. So Lori, I think one of the things that we need to consider as pet owners and part of this best fit for your family in terms of a treatment plan for the dog Mm -hmm. is also going to be cost. Mm -hmm. So if you can give us just some I'm not asking for an invoice. I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. What is the best idea that you can offer people about Mm -hmm. insurance, about paying for this, about general cost estimates? Okay. Yeah. Very good point. So as far as finding the best fit for people, normally I will lay everything out on the board and I'll say, you know, these are your options. Mm -hmm. And it's like option one, this is how frequently you have to come for treatment. This is how long your dog might live with the treatment. And this is the cost. And I'll do that for everyone. And sometimes option one is eliminated because of cost, but maybe option four is eliminated because they don't feel like that gives them enough time with their dog. So based on finances, priorities, logistics, that usually helps people narrow down what feels best for them. Right. So as far as cost goes, certainly if people have a good insurance, that definitely helps. True opinion. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, having a dog with cancer is stressful enough when the financial aspect is for the most part taken out of the picture as a stressor. It just is a huge relief. So obviously always recommend a good insurance. Other things that people can do are apply for something like care credit care credit. It's sort of like you say treatment's going to cost $5,000. So you borrow $5,000 and normally there's 
six or 12 months interest free to pay the money back. Mm -hmm. I work at a specialty hospital. Typically most surgeries are going to be like $4,500 ish, but I also practice in California. So California is a little bit more expensive. As far as chemotherapy goes, I try and give people options that are also different budget options. So that can be anything from low-dose oral chemotherapy that might, with the rechecks and the blood work and the chemotherapy, be $400 a month. And again, that's California. So Mm California is going to be more expensive to anywhere to maybe $6,000 for a protocol for chemotherapy or maybe even more than that. Okay. It just honestly depends on what we're treating and Mm -hmm. where in the country we're treating it and for how long. And I think it's always important to remember regional differences. Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm in Southern Oregon in my veterinary care. I am very blessed with (laughs) very good quality for the value. So Yeah. Some places will have discounts, like if you're military or senior or working dog or something like that. And some people will do GoFundMe fundraisers and Mm -hmm. all of those things as well. And certainly there are a lot of cancer funds out there that will help defray the cost of treatment. I know even like tripods.com, I believe they'll pay for a certain portion of an amputation if your dog has osteosarcoma. So things like that are also very helpful. The only thing we haven't touched on that you mentioned you're laying out, okay, it's going to cost this much money and you're going to get this much extra time. Yeah. So what can you give as a ballpark? Can you extend the dog's life a year, six years, a minute? It's all very variable based on the type of cancer and how progressive it is and also what treatment is elected. Right. So sometimes we do have the opportunity to extend it for years. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the cancer never comes back. That's always the goal. But other mm-hmm. times, maybe it's six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. It really just depends. The goal okay. is that during that time, their quality of life will be good. The anticipation is never that they would kind of feel like crap for those six or 12 months, because right. then that's not appropriate. And we're really doing something wrong. Right. But yeah, it is really variable. And of course, Cancer is unpredictable and we can never yes. know what's really going to happen. Mother Nature is a wicked mistress, we say it. Yeah, yeah. On many levels in many ways. Yeah. But we definitely do our best and we do focus on quality of life because we certainly want them to feel as good as possible. Absolutely, because it is about them, not about us. I think sometimes we get a little yeah. wrapped up in that piece too. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Lori, thank you so very, very much. I very much appreciate your time. Look forward to talking to you some more. We've got a couple more conversations upcoming. Everybody watch this space. There will be more to come of Dr. Cesario. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. All right. Thanks a lot, Laurie. Have a good one. You too.